there's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for... Or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? Coming! And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card... Hey, this looks amazing. I'm so glad you made it. And travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. It's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Hello and welcome to the Prep to Pro NBA Draft Podcast. My name is Ben Pfeiffer, and as always, I'm joined by my co-host Max Carlin. Max, how's it going? I'm doing very well, Ben. How are you? <laughs> I'm doing well. <laughs> we have a very special episode today on what would be the week of the NBA Draft had everything not been pushed back. And along with just Max, we have a lot of, of people on, on this call with us. We have we, we have some new and, and old guests, so I'll just rattle off all the people here. We have two Prep to Pro alum in PD and, and Jackson Frank. And then we have two um, new people, um, some Prep to Pro first-timers in our friends Sam and Jake. Uh, Sam Zulu and Jake Rosen, um, friends of the, the podcast now officially. So yeah, um, we are going to be doing a full mock draft today, which is very exciting. Um, So, Max, why don't we explain what's going on and get right into it? There's no shortage of action going on with our partners over at BetOnline.ag. The sports world is slowly making its way back with the NBA announcing its return in late July. But right now, UFC, boxing, NASCAR, and international soccer have all resumed play, and BetOnline has the best odds slash lines for their upcoming games and matches. Need more? BetOnline has simulated NFL, NBA, and UFC happening live every day for our devout gamblers to check out. BetOnline also offers hundreds of live casino games, poker tournaments, and the best props in the business. Visit BetOnline.ag on your computer or mobile device and join now to receive your welcome bonus. BetOnline.ag, your online wagering experts. Yeah, so we have a few rules, but um, otherwise it's just a pretty standard uh, mock draft. But we're doing five minutes per selection. We're not going to take five minutes per selection because we're not doing a six-hour podcast. Um, <laughs> I wouldn't trades, put it past us. <laughs> for trades, um, we we have uh, no trades are allowed that don't involve draft picks because we don't want to go too crazy. Um, people cannot trade with their own teams. Um, and I think that that's all that's relevant for the listeners. And then to just go over who has which teams quickly, um, I will be controlling Boston, Detroit, Memphis, Brooklyn, and the Clippers. Ben has uh, New Orleans Pelicans, Indiana, Cleveland, Orlando, and Toronto. Jake has uh, the New York Knicks, Atlanta, Portland, Denver, and the Thunder. Uh, Sam has Minnesota, Sacramento, Houston, Chicago, and Utah. PD has Charlotte, Phoenix, Philadelphia, the Lakers, and Milwaukee. And finally, Jackson has San Antonio, Washington, Dallas, Golden State, and Miami. And um, uh, a little while ago, we simmed uh, a lottery on on uh, Tankathon, so we're not just going with with the odds. We, um, you know, we we actually did one. We introduced some some randomness to this. And the order of the lottery: we had Minnesota jump up to to one, New York jump up to two, Detroit at three, and Atlanta at four. 
And then after that is Golden State, Cleveland, Chicago, Charlotte, Washington, Phoenix, San Antonio, Sacramento, New Orleans, and Portland. Um, and I guess with that, uh, we're going to put Sam on the clock for five minutes as Minnesota with the first pick. All right. So as much as I tried to trade this pick, could not make it happen. So I'll be taking LaMelo Ball with the first pick in this draft. Cool. I mean, that's... um. I mean, Sam, do you want to get into a yeah. little bit of your of your rationale with that? And also, um, now Jake is on the, the clock with the second pick uh, for New York. All right, yeah. So, basically, I settled it down to Edwards or Lamelo. I mean, everybody, I mean, probably a lot of people listening to this know I have. Onyek is super high, too. But I didn't love the fit, because even though Townsend, the lead shooter, wanted him to get more work in the post, too. And then... Killian Hayes, I have high too, but that fit with D'Angelo is probably even worse than the fit with Lamelo. And I think Lamelo is smart enough to play off ball, and will hopefully become a good enough team defender where the fit isn't too rocky. That's basically how I came to that choice. And I did, I really didn't like the team defense fit with Edwards there, so that was kind of the differentiator there. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I think that the defense with Lamelo is is not going to be great. Um, I like I think I probably would have gone with Edwards, but I, I think that I mean like you said when you when you talked about trading back, I mean number one there is no super appealing option for Minnesota. I don't think just given the the structure of their team right now. Um, I mean who I actually probably shouldn't say who you would have targeted in a trade back, but um, I don't know how how do other people feel about about the Lamelo fit in Minnesota. Yeah, that's probably where I would have gone as well. I mean, like it it's tough with them without a trade back, but I just go best player available and I like LaMelo's high end outcome the best, especially as someone who's not super sold on on D'Angelo as as, as that offensive next guy to, to Towns. I think LaMelo could be that in the future. Uh so it's definitely the way I would have gone. Uh, I agree with Sam. I can go into my strategy too just like if I was trading back without saying prospect names, but would have been looking at more like team defense, guys who have viable catch-and-shoot shots. So you probably come up with some names based off that. That's the direction I would have been looking towards. Yeah, I think I mean, it's a good fit, too, because LaMelo uh, worked really well, I believe. And the name escaped me, but the, uh, the Illawarra Hawks had a pick-and-pop guy that um, had a pretty good uh, combo with LaMelo late in the season. Um, I think that worked pretty well, and you saw him kind of get into the paint more, I think, in those pick-and-pop situations. Um, he's such a good pick-and-pop passer, too, with those kind of seamless hook passes. So I think the, the pick-and-pop potential with, with LaMelo and Towns would be really interesting um, and maybe help LaMelo get to the, the rim a little more than um, you'd expect, given some maybe some of his strength and somewhat burst um, deficiencies. Yeah, um, if you oh, if you guys are ready, my pick is in for the Perfect. Knicks at two. Yes, yes. All right, so... Getting in, so shout out to the Tankathon gods for getting the Knicks into the top two because basically on my Knicks-centric board, LaMelo and Killian Hayes are one and two in the tier of their own, and there might not be anyone close to them. So with LaMelo going one, I'm going to take Killian Hayes at number two. Um, My biggest needs for the Knicks were, if anyone's watched them, it's just NBA talent, and that starts with the Compton (laughs) engine of the offense. So (laughs) Killian Hayes Hayes kind of fills both of those holes. Like you get – 
he's probably on the safer side in this top five. Like, you know, he's going to come in. He's going to be able to manip- manipulate the defense. He's going to be able to make plays on the defensive end, playing passing lanes, being a solid, solid team defender. He has NBA strength. So he kind of fills both those voids. And also as someone who I think, I think Killian's going to run NBA offense for the next decade. Um, His ceiling, that kind of determines on where the catch and shoot shooting level's at, in my opinion. But the, the improvement in the lateral quickness and the improvement in the shot creation, the footwork, his touch is supreme. Um, I'm a big Killian Hayes fan, and I really like him for the Knicks. So that's my pick there. And by the way, uh, Mac is on the clock. Oh, Yeah, I'm on the clock now uh, with Detroit at number three, and I don't need to take any time for this. I'm going to select Anthony Edwards. Um, I am really happy with this with how this uh, this played out because I was I was felt kind of stuck at number three uh, as Detroit because I thought that the the only guy from my tier one who was going to fall to me was going to be Killian Hayes. I expected Lamelo and Edwards to go one and two in some order, um, and I just don't think Hayes is the level of self creator that I would want in Detroit because I mean when I was doing my my prep for this as Detroit like coming coming up with a long term core from them. I, I really I think they have no one like I I don't think that anyone is a building piece that I am you know gearing my 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 team building toward um, so I I was for them I guess my board probably would have been Lamelo one and two pretty close um, but uh, I, I I felt definitely queasy about putting Killian in a situation like that uh, we've talked a lot about how he you know he's gonna need some sort of self-creator next to him and i just i don't think detroit has that long term so i'm i'm pleased with how this worked out um definitely a situation where you could see edwards playing to his worst tendencies but uh you know i'm willing to to you know roll the dice for for a guy who probably doesn't have franchise changing potential but i think maybe a little bit more than killian uh and with that jake is back on the clock uh as atlanta at number four so, I mean, this was a really tough spot for me, and I kind of mapped this out a million times, and I knew that as much as I wanted Ant with Max in front of me, there was no way he was going to fall. So this put me in a really tough spot because ideally I would want to go Kongu. Like, clear, he's number three on my board, and clearly at the first that the first four guys that go, I think that's an elite group in this class. So, But they're paying Capella through 2023, and they're paying him good money. So it's not really a good asset. That, like it's just not good value in this range and I don't really think those two can play together and be effective so maybe I'm gonna be breach here but I'm gonna go with Devin Vassell um oh. I just, <laughs> um I know Dang. I probably made others late in the top 10 really upset but with Devin Vassell um and just the Hawks are in a really unique situation in most teams in the top 10 they don't have their offensive engine they don't have their guy of the future and the Hawks do they have Trey Young and they're capable of giving him the ball and letting him rock out and he'll return really really good results on the offensive end um i know we're all really really high on trey and he's only improving so you want to surround <laughs> yes guys. all of us are really high on trey <laughs> <laughs> so you want to you want to surround guys with people that can play off him um and vassell obviously trey's biggest negative is the defense and with vassell you're getting the best team defender in the class in my opinion but also someone who can space the floor efficiently and has untapped potential as a shot creator um and i think as trey looks to go off ball more even though Vassell's passing might not be up to par yet the threat of him putting the ball and taking a tough one drill pull up hitting a step back that's gonna that could open up a lot of things for atlanta and so i like the fit maybe with reddish at the two moving forward and kind of a lot of size and length and intangibles on the wing with hunter Vassell and 
and Cam, don't don't slander me for mentioning Hunter, please. Um, <laughs> but and with that, those three, yeah, yeah, go. With I that, mean, that's uh, just what I'm yeah. going. Jack's on the clock. Jack's on the clock with Golden State. I'll quickly say I'm a big fan of that, and I wanted him a couple picks later with my team. I mean, I like that without great burst um, and handle Vassell will have a tough time separating, but in Atlanta with all of the vertical spacing Trey Young brings and the ample space he'll have to attack off, off closeouts and such, um, that's just really favorable to fit where his decision-making is going to be simplified and he's going to have op- more open lanes to attack. And, uh, and of course, the defense, it's just what Atlanta desperately needs. So yeah, I like that a lot and I'm angry selfishly. But, um, but I think yeah, there's a- there's... Uh, there's, I feel like there's one big problem with this, and I think uh, PD, you might disagree with me on this. Um, and 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 granted, like the board kind of played out poorly for Atlanta to get a creator, but now long term, I mean, who's who's the second creator for Atlanta? I you think you have enough assets in place though that you could you could you could trade for a creator. Um, and I think you could still go with a guy like Herder as a secondary um, guy. I mean, you look at Houston. I mean, obviously Trey is not Harden, but you look at Houston, who didn't really have that secondary creator for a while. And still had some pretty significant success both in the regular season and playoffs before they acquired CP3 and Russ um, this past offseason. So um, I think that's definitely a hesitancy, and it's, it's a valid valid point. But I think how things played out, it's really tough to find someone who could be a, a secondary creator for Atlanta. Um, and I think Vassell is someone who you can at least rely on to maybe provide some offensive upside in terms of shot making. And um, the, the accuracy of Trey's kickouts and whatnot, I think, will really help too. Um, to kind of tilt those defenses as, as PD likes to talk about. Um, wait, yeah, if I could just I, chime in, if I could just, sorry, PD, if I could just ch- chime in real quick, <laughs> because I wish I could see everyone, but that was that was the point. Um, I did give Kyra Lewis some consideration for that exact point oh. of them meeting that secondary hey, uh, creator. Hey, and, uh, hey uh, let's not talk about names. <laughs> <laughs> um, of just just giving them that secondary creator and maybe long term secondary star to go around go alongside Trey, but in the end at four, I wasn't really comfortable with that, and I liked what Vassell brought to the table. But it is a very valid concern. I think with Vassell um, and specifically a fit in Atlanta is that if you have a stable of wings, like you never know what development is going to bring. Um, you can have ideas, but like if one of them steps forward or a combination of them, you know, reach a 60-70% ceiling outcome. The league is so uh, shallow on wings that those are going to return great value. Even if Hunter doesn't turn out or Cam doesn't turn out in the way that uh, is in your dreams, you have enough cornerstone pieces that you can asset play them together for a team that uh, maybe might want to get off Bradley Beal or, you know, the next person who decides that their current situation isn't a winning one. And with Vassell, you're looking at a guy who really improves on-ball ability as a sophomore and is really young for his class. Um, so like PD said, I think there's definitely some maybe development arc that we can't project at the moment that might come. Um, but I am on the clock with the Warriors. This pick is really simple for me. I'm going to take Onyeka Okongwu. Um, he's been someone who's been in my Tier 1 for um, about half a year now, or maybe a little less. I'm a huge fan of him. Um, I was a little concerned about how things would play out for me. Um, I think Jake and I were in similar spots where guys... Our primary target might be just outside of our reach, um, but obviously with Jake um, going to sell, that opened things up for me. Um, really, kind of my three, my two targets if Okongwu wasn't available were Vassell and Tyrese Maxey. Um, but it's just simple for me. The Warriors don't really have a lot of big man depth um, on the roster next year. Um, they've got Kavon Looney, Marquise Chris is kind of their only big man, and Looney seems to really be struggling health wise the last few years. And I don't think Chris is a guy you want to be starting. Um, if you're shooting for the playoffs or even deeper, like I imagine the Warriors are for the next couple of years, while Steph and Clay and Draymond are still 
um, highly impactful players. So um, I think Okongu will work really, really well to solidify the back line defensively. Um, I love his screen study. I think that'll help a lot too with the motion that uh, motion offense that Kerr likes to run with getting Curry off the ball too. Um, and then I think with, with his, his pick and roll screen, which I think is really good to work well with um, Steph because Steph is the best pick and roll guard in the NBA when healthy. Um, and so I think that fit is really easy. There was not really a hes- any hesitancy for me as soon as Jake took Dem Vassell. Um, the answer was obvious. Um, and I'm really pleased with this because I think um, putting Okongu in a place where he has a really good pick and roll guard. Um, and if they, if they go out and sign some more shooters and you give him some spacing, unlike he had at USC this year, um, I think you're going to see someone like Okongu who could um, potentially win Rookie of the Year, be the most impactful rookie in this and how so far the, the draft has played out. And yeah. with that, Ben is on the clock at number six as Cleveland. Yeah, and I am not ready to pick at, at the moment, so if people want to talk, um, I am struggling with this one. N- not a great situation um, based on how the board I fell would... out and just Cleveland and salary hell. I mean, Yeah, and, and I would like to talk about the, the Killian Hayes fit. Yeah, go for it. Yeah, um, so Killian Hayes and R.J. Barrett. Um anti-right-hand layup coalition. (laughs) (laughs) I knew this was coming. I knew this was coming. I don't hate it. I just, it makes, this selection would put such an emphasis on uh, coaching and coaching scheme because there's two guys who have um, a preference for which way they would like to drive and which way they like to be set up. And I think that that's something that needs to be highlighted with this sort of, when you select a building block like RJ. Uh, you have to make some real considerations about how you're going to deploy him and how you're going to deploy the assets around him. Yeah. All right. um, I th- if, oh, Ben, if I you think, could, I think yeah. Jake I, has to take Josh Green now to balance things out. <laughs> <laughs> so okay, if yeah. I could just, if I was saying one quick thing before Ben goes, um, I, that's like a completely valid point and one that's a huge, huge concern, especially if, look, LaMelo is really the only perfect fit for the Knicks in my opinion. And, that's a really tough spot to be in considering he's probably going to go one or two in the draft. So you have to look at, okay, how are we going to manage if we get a guy like Killian, who I do think is a good fit for what the Knicks need. But again, those left-hand dominants are, that's definitely a problem. But as a Knicks fan, someone who watched way, way too much Knicks basketball this year, um, I'll just say like, I am a PD. I know you watch a ton of Montverde and a ton of high school hoops. So you're familiar with RJ kind of as in this Swiss army knife role, like playing him off the ball more, allowing him to cut, allowing him to crash the boards, allowing him to come off some DHOs, but not necessarily like, okay, you can initiate a pick and roll every once in a while. But this idea that he was a Duke sometimes of just giving him the ball and letting him be the engine of your offense isn't really viable in the NBA level, I don't think. So, okay, yes, they're two very left-hand dominant players, but if you approach it with Killian as the engine of our offense and we're going to turn RJ into this Swiss Army knife wing who's just going to overpower dudes and win with strength, strength, which I think is, like, that's a realistic situation, then I think that's an easier way to take Salas in the pick. All right, yeah. So I have my pick. Uh, for Cleveland, I, I'm reaching a little bit um, on my board, but I'm not. I, I don't really have any other options I like, and Cleveland needs some infusion of talent or luck. So, so I'm gonna go with Patrick Williams here, um, which is a bit higher than higher than I wanted to take him. But when I look how the board shakes out, my best available is Maxi, and I really can't justify taking a non-primary for Cleveland at this point. Um, same with Cole, and then I have Okoro and and 
Williams, and I went with Williams just because the combination of just age and size and physical tools and skills. I mean, with with just that that combination of all those things, there's a lot of room for for unexpected development. Um, and Patrick Williams ending up as a really good player, and and the Cavs are really in a difficult position given how they've drafted over the last couple years and how they've managed their salaries. So, I mean, they need some sort of infusion of real excitement and talent. And Patrick Williams, though, yes, his his movement is is an issue, and he has problems, but he's the youngest American player in this class. He has a very projectable jumper, has, has shown pull-up versatility um, for from the mid-range, which is an indicator I'm big on, has shown some passing ability, some slashing, really excellent rim protector. Um, as a four, uh, I have a lot of belief in the defense. And yeah, this is a pick that I could see flaming out pretty easily, uh, but also one I could see benefiting big time in the long run in unexpected ways. So yeah, um, not a pick I'm super happy with, but I think it's the best I could have done at, at this point with the way the board shook out for me. And right, with that, so Sam for... is, is on the clock as uh, Chicago at number seven. Yeah, so I just can't watch Zach Levine be the entire premise of an offense anymore. <laughs> I'm, I'm deciding between uh, Kira and Cole, or Kyra and Cole. I don't know which way to pronounce it. Um, and I believe it's I Kyra. Think I'm gonna, yeah. Yeah. And I'm going to go with... I'm going to go with Cole at seven. Um, oh, they're pretty neck and neck back to back years. Back to back years taking you in cigars. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but th- this one is uh, I don't know, a little Good. better in my opinion. Um, and with that, PD is on the clock at number eight for Charlotte. Um, I I wanted to go back briefly to the the Killian Hayes discussion. Um, and I wanted to um, ask Jake like what he thought about. Uh, possibly trading back. I know, like, a lot of people wanted to trade back, and I think that that's kind of the problem with this draft is that everyone should want to trade back. But we talked about this on on um, on our mailbag last week. Um, I think it was the first one about the idea of the Knicks shying away from taking an initiator gamble and instead going with with just like another guy to fortify the wing and trying to get the guy next year. And I thought that that made a lot of sense. It's kind of tough when you end up at two because Taking you know Devin Vassell number two is is kind of rough, but I mean even even someone like Ant, um, I kind of think would have made more sense than than Hayes. So I mean Jake, did you give any thought to that, or did you want to just you know get the, you know the the lead handler? Yes, I mean Ant actually in a vacuum. I have Ant higher than Hayes on my actual board. I'm I'm still an mm. Ant believer. I think he. He has a lot. He has a long ways to go, but I think he can get there. And I have a ton of faith. I mean, this, the physical tools and the shot making flashes are real. But in terms of if we're talking about the Knicks, I just did not trust that developmental situation at all. And I've talked about the different, yeah. and I think you guys have as well, the different developmental situations that are ideal for a guy like Ant versus someone like Lamelo or even Killian. With guys with those lead guards, Lamelo and Killian, I want to throw them into the fire. I want them to get all the reps. I, these are really, really smart playmakers, and they're extremely manipulative, and I want to see, I want them to try what works and what doesn't, and whatever will go through the growing pains, but with Ant, I don't want him to get thrown into the fire like this, because then we see a lot of stuff like we did at Georgia. He settles, he gets bad habits, he gets lazy on defense, and I just felt a little, a little uncomfortable as the Knicks 
because, hey, look, if we're taking Ant, we have no one else right now. He's We're going to give him the ball. He's going to get 20 shots. He's going to get X amount of pick-and-roll reps, and I just don't think that's beneficial for the Knicks or Ant. So in this class, and it's tough, yes, like can you look at trading back, but I think you do also have to be careful about how far you trade back because the Knicks don't exactly have a great track record of hitting in the back end of the top 10 or in the early teens. So if you get to two and you have a guy like Killian Hayes there who, yes, he might is he – the surefire all-star lock primary guy you want in the top two? Probably not. But in this class, you kind of just have to take what you can get and get a good point guard who can sure things up and just run an NBA offense. And, I mean, look, the Knicks are a team who played through Julius Randle last year, so (laughs) they have a lot of room to step up. So that was kind of my thought process. And, yes, nothing is perfect, and I wouldn't be sleeping like a baby if I were the Knicks GM with anyone but LaMelo, but that's kind of what the situation is. Yeah, I mean, not to mention with Ant, you'd be talking about a core uh, that's made up of decision makers of the caliber of mm-hmm. Ant, Mitchell Robinson, and uh, and RJ, which is yeah. not exactly. Yep, there's that too. Yeah. Um, the one so, of the picks that we uh, didn't really talk about. Oh, PD, you want to you want to go ahead? PD, go you have your pick. Yeah, I mean, I can jump in unless you guys want to vamp some more. Yeah, no, just make make your pick. And then we can we can keep talking while while uh, the next uh, team is on the clock. The Charlotte Hornets are going to select Tyrese Maxey. Nice. Ooh, nice. I like that. Um, uh, and now uh, Washington and Jackson are on the clock at nine. Uh, PD, you want to get into the the thought process there a little? Yeah. Uh, the The board felt really strange because there's uh, an impulse to bring more wings into this group. Um, because they sort of have, uh, you know, between Rozier, uh, Devontae, you know, the Martins. Like, there's enough ball handling. It's not Malik Monk, whatever happens um, with him, get well soon. Um, but I think the idea behind Maxi is that this is a system that would really help Maxi. You have an extremely smart X's nose coach with, uh, with a developmental culture, uh, one a environment where Maxi doesn't have to take all the rest because Rozier is still going to get the ball in his hand. You have PJ to, to just trim a little bit. This just seems like a perfect fit for somebody who needs to be slightly off ball, but still get a lot of on ball rest. Uh, I thought about Okoro. Um, I thought about a couple of the names that I uh, am not going to mention, but this just seemed to be too good of a fit <laughs> for a larger culture. All right. And with that, uh, Jackson is back up on the clock with Washington at night. Yeah. Um, this one is, is pretty easy again for me. Um, the guy that I've been high on for a long time and been, uh, you know, shouting his name from, from the rooftops um, is Kyrie Lewis. I'm going Kyrie Lewis here. Um, I, I think Washington might not be necessarily the best um, development culture for a guy like Kyrie who needs um, good development. But what I like is that he's got two guards in place already that he can play behind, um, which basically means I'm not going to trade Beal, um, I think, is Ermelian, especially since the top nine picks are already gone now and I'd want to fairly good pick in this draft for him along with other things. But um, one of the things I do like is you won't, I think Kyrie is someone who needs a lot of reps and he needs, he needs time to kind of figure things out. What I liked at Alabama this year is um, he kind of had full autonomy and he struggled early, but as he adjusted to the system, you really saw him start to break out as a passer and improve his efficiency to score throughout the season. Um, I think with someone even like John Wall, even though it's probably unlikely that Wall is back to kind of his all-star level um, when he returns, Someone who is whose game is kind of based on speed and quickness, and kind of figuring things out based off of that primary skill. 
um, having someone like him who can kind of coach and help and teach Kyra how to best apply that that, that physical ability is really important. Um, I like the idea of being play, being able to play off Wall and Beal. Um, not obviously, probably wouldn't put all three of them together. It'd be a really undersized three there, but putting a couple of them together at times. Um, I know Max has talked a lot at length on the, on this pod about how Kyra's pretty good off the ball. Um, and so I like kind of that pairing there and down the line, um, if Beal asks for a trade or he goes elsewhere in two years when his contract is up after the 21-22 season, um, you've got a guy in Kyra who'll be entering his third year um, and to be able to learn behind two all-star caliber guards um, how to run an offense. And so um, I think this is a place where there's not a ton, ton of structure. I think that's not terrible in terms of offense because I like the idea of Kyra learning things on the fly and adjusting learning how to make more reads, learning how to apply that, that burst and that, that physical, um, that physical, that uh, flexibility, that contortion, all those different things that are really prominent in the physical package. Um, so that's where I'm going. Um, I don't, I think there are other options I considered a Coro. Um, Maxi was another guy that I liked, but obviously he was, he was off the board by the time I was picking. So I was kind of down to those three SEC guys. Um, I went with Kyra because he's just the guy I think fits best. Um, and is the guy I had highest on my board. Uh, PD is on the clock as Phoenix with the 10th pick right now. Um, Jackson, yeah, I, I like that idea because you're drafting Kyra into a situation now where he could be a third guard who works alongside either one of Beal or Wall. I mean, granted, like we don't know what Wall is going to look like. But I, I, I like that idea where you're, you're not throwing him in immediately as, as the guy. He's going to have a chance to play off of a couple guys who I think both in different ways complement him fairly well. Mm-hmm. And part and that's kind of similar to where I have him ranked on my board. Part of having him, like I think I, I think I have him sixth or seventh, um, my second year. Part of his hedging in that I know he's not going to go super high and you know potentially be thrown into a, a role that overstimulates him, like you know maybe Cole Anthony or Anthony Edwards are. Um, and so I'm banking him being brought along slowly and at a pace that's probably best for him, um, and that will lead to him delivering really really high value in this class. So um, I know both of you again, both Ben and Mac have talked about kind of some of the opportunity um and where guys rank on mainstream boards and that's kind of how i'm factoring in with kyra um knowing that he'll get be put in a pretty optimal spot to, to play to his strengths and not be overextended and i think washington is a really nice spot for him even though he's probably going to go five six seven spots lower at best um in a real draft i mean going back to a pick we had a while ago that i'd wanted to talk about uh because we we did we kind of um you passed over it. Uh, Onyeka Kongwu to the Warriors, I think, is very interesting. Another one that we talked about on the mailbag, uh, sort of how the Warriors can approach this draft. Um, I, I think that it, it's interesting. Um, and, uh, like, Jackson, I'd be curious to know what you think about, uh, like, the, the value play there in terms of, um, like, it's easy to find a big who can fill a small role for a team, but... It's, it's maybe a little more difficult to find, you know, a stud wing defender or something like that. Um, so I don't know that, like, a Kongwu in a, in a small role is necessarily the best use of assets uh, for the Warriors. So I'd be curious to know, like, if you were thinking about anything else. And before you answer, PD, you do have 30 seconds left on the clock as Phoenix for the 10th pick. Okay. Uh, the Phoenix Suns will select Isaac Okoro. And with that, Jackson again Defense. is back on the clock at number eleven is San Antonio. PD, you want to uh, you want to give your spiel? Yeah, um, competent defender who's a tank, 
uh, at the free throw line, uh, somebody who whose lack of shooting or troubles with shooting will be nullified by being surrounded with some pretty good shooting as far as roster goes go. Um, it's also my plan to force the Suns to not play DeAndre Hayden at power forward, um, <laughs> which would be something I cannot recommend enough. Um, the, I really wanted to take Kyra here just because Phoenix should always play at a trillion miles an hour. Um, it's sort of a birthright thing. Um, but the benefits of Akaro being that, like, you can keep Booker as on or off ball as you need to with this roster. Um, you can have some spacing to the corner. You're going to have enough uh, spacing for cuts, um, depending on uh, what they do with Baines. Like, this is this isn't a roster that could be interesting and could win a lot more games next year because it's quietly older than you think. Um, I think that it's a a pretty ideal selection for them, one that they would probably consider four, five, six spots higher. Yep, I like the Okoro fit um, on offense quite a bit for Phoenix. Um, like you mentioned, with him versus a cutter, I mean Phoenix. I mean Phoenix saw saw Mikael Bridges really excel as the cutter this year. Devin Booker's always been great at those ghost cuts, um, and their offense really fosters a lot of movement and a lot of off ball advantage creation, which is something that we've talked about. Isaac Okoro needing to be optimized on the offensive end and that's something that she's gonna have a chance to do and then like like pd said he can really slash he is probably underrated as a slasher at, at this point with his with his handle improved handle and strength and, and burst and he's gonna be able to take some burden off devin booker and create gravity for him and then and, and then pass and then pass to devin booker with with his vision and passing technique as a wing so yeah i mean that's a selection i really like uh, the, the, uh yeah it's a value for me here so yeah, I mean, you talk um, about insulating. Yeah. Oh, go ahead, Jackson. No, no, you're good. No, you're good. You, you, I'll make my points after, but you... Okay, you uh, yeah, on. I mean, you talk about insulating Booker with defenders. You've now got Okoro, uh, McKay, like, Okoro can be, you know, taking the, the top perimeter assignment, all, you know, against almost anyone, like, except maybe the quickest guards. Uh, you've got McHale as a dominant team defender. You've got Aiden, who looked a lot better as a defender this year. I mean, you, you're actually starting to assemble that cast that can that can work around him. I definitely would worry a little bit about Okoro and Aiden at their current levels as shooters. I think you'd need one of them to hit a pretty high-end outcome as a shooter. Uh, but I like it, and yeah, I don't think they'll have the opportunity to do this in, in real life. And, and I agree with PD. I think they would probably very strongly consider this even five spots higher. Just for um, a moment, think about a Booker, think about a Booker, Bridges, Ubre, Okoro, Aiton lineup for like three minutes oof, at a time. Ugh. <laughs> um, so I'm on the clock. I so I have the Spurs at 11th. Um, I considered Denny Avdia here. Um, Spurs development in terms of shooting is really impressive in recent years. Um, Dejounte looks a lot more improved, not necessarily from three yet, but from mid range. Um, but I'm going to go RJ Hampton. Um, I know, I know. I think this is something that played out similarly in the, the mock draft did on Twitter a month Every ago or so. Every single mock has RJ to the Spurs. <laughs> yeah, I love yeah, it. Um, and it's great. Yeah, I, I think it makes a lot of sense. Um, RJ is a guy who um, needs that development. I think the the um, what San Antonio has in place now, um, if you if DeRozan stays around in terms of um, if he takes picks up his player option that he has for next season. Um, he'll stay there. You can, you can, I mean, that's another thing where you can, you can kind of teach RJ some of these moves in terms of how to not just be someone who plays off speed. Obviously, Terosin isn't someone who's just this, this freakish speed guy, but um, kind of similar to RJ in that he came in with a lot of athletic tools um, and was able to kind of work his way into a really talented scorer and offensive player. 
Um, and then the Spurs development in terms of shooting has been really impressive. I think RJ's a guy who I think will be a solid shooter, but I think there's a definitely still a long, a big gap between being an impactful shooter in his role and someone who can just hit spots at a decent rate. Um, and somewhere like the Spurs, who have a really strong history of developing shooters, um, is something I really value there. Um, and so, but I think he, he can be brought along slow enough. You know, they have Derek White there, they have Dejounte, um, they have Lonnie Walker. But I think he just provides a different dynamic there. As someone who can put a lot of pressure on the rim, um, he can continue to kind of take things slowly as a playmaker and not be thrust into this huge role um, in terms of creating for others. Um, and so I like I like that fit there in terms of the shooting development and the ability to just take his time and not um, really be inserted into this role that kind of over, overstimulates him. And you see some of RJ's worst tendencies come out in terms of um, being stuck in precarious spots as a decision maker um, and just in generally that. And then I think defensively, um, I think the Spurs are someone that could really help coach him up there. Um, if I recall, DeJounte was someone who was a, very much a toolsy defender coming out of UW a few years ago um, and then was one of the best defenders in the league a few years ago before he tore his ACL. And it's still kind of on the men there in his first year back. So I think this is a really good fit. I consider Denny as well, but um, I think the Spurs are a team that probably need the potential ceiling of RJ more than someone like Denny, who I just don't think quite has that same um, level of intrigue at his peak. And Sam is on the clock for Sacramento at number 12. There is no shortage of action going on with our partners over at betonline.ag. The sports world is slowly making its way back with the NBA announcing its return in late July. But right now, UFC, boxing, NASCAR, and international soccer have all resumed play and BetOnline has the best odds slash lines for their upcoming games and matches. Need more? BetOnline has simulated NFL, NBA, and UFC happening live every day for our devout gamblers to check out. BetOnline also offers hundreds of live casino games, poker tournaments, and the best props in the business. Visit BetOnline.ag on your computer or mobile device and join now to receive your welcome bonus. BetOnline.ag, your online wagering experts. Yeah, so with Sacramento, I am going to take Denny. Um, I think he he provides some useful secondary creation alongside Fox. He can do some of the things that Bezalika does while fitting more of their timeline. And I think he's just pull up a lot in terms of the defensive side too, next to Bagley, and I just like that front court fit. Ben is on the clock for New Orleans at 13. Um, I, I, yeah, I love that Denny pick because you talk about like optimal fits next to Bagley. I mean, I don't know how, you know, how invested people are in, uh, in Bagley long term, but talk about optimal fits. I think, you know, Denny's definitely up there as just a guy who is so, so impactful protecting the rim from the weak side. Uh, that's, that's pretty necessary next to Bagley. I, I guess it depends on what position he's playing, but I mean, if you kind of assume that he's a five, uh, I think that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. I, I also love the Denny pick. Um, if he was still on the board for me at 14, I would have taken him. So, big Denny guy. I do want to circle back. I know Max was asking me about the Onyeka fit and how I evaluated all of that um, before we kind of uh, entered a, a, a string of uh, real-time picks. Um, yeah, I think the idea that he might not be maximized in a team that you know values Clay and Steph offensively a lot more and uses Dr- as Dre, Draymond as a, as a kind of their primary playmaker and creator for others at the top of the key and whatnot um, is a valid concern, but um, you know, I think Vassell was gone there, so I think he would have fit well, but obviously wasn't a, an available option anymore, uh, and then I'm just not just not as big a fan of a Coro that high um, at five as I am compared to a Kongwu, um, and I think he's he's someone you could really can, you could really see him 
be an awesome pick and roll partner for for Steph, and I think you'd have a lot of value there. Then insulating them defensively, I think Draymond and Onyeka would be an awesome um, pairing on the interior defensively. I know the Warriors like to switch a lot of things, and I think Onyeka generally is pretty good on switches. Um, he's not a he's not a bam at a bio level mover. I know he's get those comps a lot, but I think he's generally one of the, the guys who will enter the league and be a better switch center than uh, or above average switch center. Um, and then I, I think he's also just someone who, you know, you don't want to look too far down the road, but he's someone who once, once the Steph Clay Draymond era ends, you have a guy who plays, who has some more untapped offensive upside that you could really lean into. Um, so there are definitely some valid concerns, but I think anyone at that stage at five for the Warriors isn't going to be, you know, utilized to their full extent offensively because you have the greatest offensive guard in the NBA and one of the best off ball shooters in history. So um, really tough overall to really to maximize whoever's taken there at five, which is definitely a valid concern regarding Okongwu. All right, I do have my pick for New Orleans. Um, so for the Pelicans at 13, again, not super happy with how the board shakes out. I was hoping I'd get Denny here, but I'm going to get Alexi Pokasevsky um, at 13, who is, a, who is a bit of a reach on my board, but is a fit I like in New Orleans, um, pretty much because of their current infrastructure, uh, which revolves around Zion. I mean, New Orleans has a lot easier of a time than most of these lottery range teams because they already have their their primary guy built in. Um, so worrying about guys who can fit next to him is easy. Um, and though I have a lot of my a lot of reservations about Pokusevski uh, relating to his frame and his ability to impact offense in the half court and some technical defensive issues as well, um, he's not going to be someone who has to make an impact for. New Orleans in the short term, and if he does, he's a guy who is going to benefit greatly from the gravity of Zion being able to play off ball and roam around and get stocks, uh, and then someone who can really gun from three, uh, transition playmake, uh, maybe run a pick and roll or so in the half court, because he is really, really talented there. And then someone who maybe if his development goes well, and especially especially with the Pelicans, is a guy who I like a lot as a shooting bet because just of how incredible their shooting coaching has been recently with their track record. Someone who with Pokashevsky's uh, volume and versatility is someone who I'd be pretty confident in shooting at some point in this infrastructure and, and someone who the Pelicans can stash if they want to at this point. Um, whether or not that's that's beneficial for his development, that's that's up for debate. But whether or not it's beneficial, it could definitely be beneficial for the Pelicans to to save that roster spot with with all the guys they do have and all the picks they do have. So yeah, I mean, I'm actually pretty okay with with Poku at this spot um, as just a long term bet to to fit with their core. I would have really liked uh, him at Minnesota at 16. Uh, Jake is on the clock for Portland at number 14. Um, yeah, so I do have my pick. Um, I'm gonna save my man some money because if I don't pick him here, and knowing the fellow GMs, I don't know where he gets his payday. So I'm gonna take oh, Obi Toppin. I know Toppin. coming. Yeah, I'm gonna take Obi Toppin. Um, again, I really wanted Poku. I really wanted Denny, but they both both them went right before me. So I'm gonna take Obi. And while I'm not ecstatic about it i do think there's a pathway for it to work um you're talking about a team that has committed a ton of money to dame and cj for the foreseeable future so that that's there like that is there 100 percent um while there's rumors of them trading and breaking them up that's on their books for until 2022 2023 so with when you get a guy like obi Yes, there are defensive concerns. Yes, there's team building concerns. But just imagining Dame's pull-up shooting and just him opening the space up for Obi as a lob threat. Um, you can play. I buy Obi shooting, so you can play him with Nurkic. You can play him alongside Collins, maybe if if Collins can continue to beef up. 
and I just really like the fit there. You have your two stud creators in the backcourt. Um, I think OB can make some plays on the short roll because they're spacing. There's not really someone I loved here. I, I like Denny as someone who could be a linking piece for them and connect the defense and also handle some reps with their second team because I'm not a big Anthony Simons fan. Um, I liked Poku because it was an upside play along with providing them shooting and defensive event creation. But again, got to work with what you got. And I still think Obi can provide them some pretty good value on the offensive side of the ball and just maybe, maybe... I don't know who they have as their biomechanics people out there, but please try to help and fix my defensive stance. Like I don't know who I'm talking. I think to. you need like some neurosurgeons to do I, that. I, I think you hopefully, need more of it. look, we're I'm I'm not banking on improving, but Obi as the lob threat, the elite or not elite, impressive big man passer, and I think viable floor spacer. Um, I think that often opens up some pretty interesting offensive windows for them, and kind of figure out the defense later. Ben is back on the clock for Orlando at 15, and I feel like I, I absolutely know who he's going to pick. Yeah, um, first, before I pick, I'm going to comment on the OB pick, because I actually do like quite like the offensive fit there. I think if there's anywhere he's going to go in this range, I, I like this offense, offensive fit the best. Just just really optimized as a short roll guy, um, playing next to Dame and, and CJ off the pull of gravity. And we, and we talked about how, how perfect the situation was with Anthony Grant at Dayton, and Terry Stotts is also a very good offensive coach, and someone who I believe in maximizing uh, top it on offense. Defensively, I mean, I'm not going to comment on that, because... I, I, there's not much to say, but yeah, I mean, I like it. And then for Orlando, yeah, this is I'm super stoked. Um, with the 15th pick for Orlando, I'm going with Leandro Balmaro. Um, very. Oh happy. no! I thought you were no. doing something else. No, why would you? Yeah, do me that? too. So yeah, I, mean, I thought you were yeah, going somewhere else. I thought you were taking Grant Riller. Oh I god, it was Grant come Riller. on, man! Why would you I say almost... these, Max? Why would you say these things? No, yeah. not no. no. I almost, I almost took Riller. I really did. I debated between Riller and Palmaro. But I eventually landed on wanting to go Bomaro just because quite a few factors, age being one of them, um, defense being another. Um, just I, I'm just imagining a defensive core of, of Bomaro and Jonathan Isaac and Fultz and maybe Bomba at some point. The shooting is definitely the worry with, with, with that backcourt, and I could definitely see Riller being better there short term. Um, but I like Bomaro better in the long term as someone who has to play, someone who can play on the ball and should play on the ball, and I don't know. I mean, I like this pick a lot. Um, I would have gone with Riller if, if Bomaro wasn't there, and I think Riller would have been a good pick as well. Um, yeah, I, I think Bomaro's a, a good slot here for Orlando. And with Riller that, could have been the Sam, hometown boy. You, you, you barred him from that opportunity, playing in front of his hometown fans. <laughs> Sam is cool, on the clock seems like Minnesota Seems like the 16. peanut crowd is not happy with my selection, but I stand the by it. The peanut crowd? I think you just messed up the phrase. <laughs> The peanut gallery. <laughs> um, I'm I'm very annoyed. I thought he was falling to me for uh, at 17 is Boston. All part of my plan. Uh, all right. So looks like Minnesota is just gonna give up on defense here. Um, we're just gonna go with Aaron Naismith and hope that with Lamelo and Russell, we'll get him a lot of open looks. We'll have Malik Beasley. We'll basically just try to score 120 a game with the three. And do our best. All right, I am on the clock now as Boston at 17, um, and I guess my backup plan is going to be. Uh, man, I don't feel great about this, but I think I'm gonna take James Wiseman. Um, oh, yeah. Look, the thing that we've talked about with Wiseman over and over and over again is that he's a much more attractive pick if he's going in the late teens, 
than he is, um, you know, going in the top five. Uh, I think that the Celtics sort of have the, the high leverage big in place already. I mean, they have Daniel Tice, who's very capable of that. I think in time, you could even see Grant uh, Williams playing a role like that. But, um, you know, in Wiseman, you've got now a guy who can play major minutes in the regular season, uh, a guy who I think should be a very good pick-and-roll player, definitely offers an archetype of big that the Celtics don't have. They, like, Rob Williams is supposed to be the athletic lob threat, but he's never healthy, uh, and, I mean, frankly, just his, his defense is, is really poor because of his, um, you know, inability to get into a stance, even though he is laterally quick when he does, his and his just really, like, awful decision-making. Um, so this is a type of big man that the Celtics don't have that I do think they kind of need. Uh, I'm not super enthused about it, but when you're talking about the 17th pick, now you have Wiseman in a situation where the politics come into play a lot less and he can just be a piece of a big man rotation, and I think probably a pretty valuable one in the regular season. Uh, and Jackson is now on the clock at 18 for Dallas. Um, yeah, I think the Wiseman pick is a good value. Um, I know, Max, you've, you've talked at length about, you know, hopefully trying to get a Kongu in some way, whether to trade up or whatever, however the lottery shakes up, maybe Memphis gets spit back into the lottery um, whenever, if, if the NBA season ever resumes. So I think that's a good value pick there for sure. Um yeah, this this is an interesting pick for me. I think it's. Um, I'm gonna go with I'm gonna go with Grant Riller here. Um, I think he's the type of guy who I, I believe in him being able to run an offense in some capacity. But um, I also like him working off of someone and having a jumbo size initiator like Luka Doncic makes it really easy. Um, I think Riller's shown some pretty good instinct as a off ball cutter, and his quick first step attacking off the catch is really great combined with his finishing ability. Um, you know, contrast with someone like Kyra, who, you know, we've talked about working off the catch really well, but um, maybe some of that value is limited because he isn't a great finisher at this point. Um, but yeah, I'm going to go Riller. I think he makes a lot of sense here. Um, I, I just think, you know, the way Luka can bend defenses so much and manipulate defenses to kind of bet those two working together offensively would be an incredible duo. Um, Luka already led Dallas to the best offense in the NBA this year, and you add one of the most talented, arguably the most um, refined and talented guard in this class to that um, makes a lot of sense. I considered Halliburton to an extent. I think, you know, working with someone like Luca um, would help a lot because he wouldn't have to be on the ball very much because Luca's dominates the ball so much. Um, but I went with the guy ha I have ranked higher, and I think that just continues to elevate their offensive ceiling to something that we probably haven't seen in a long time um, in terms of the way that offense would function. Um, so I'm really a big fan of how, the, how that shaped out for me. PD is on the clock for Milwaukee at 19. Um, I had to double think, check like, the board to, to make sure that I could get this off. Go for it. <laughs> at pick 19, the Milwaukee Bucks will select Tyrese Halliburton. Oh, God damn it. I wanted, I wanted yeah, him at, at 20 for Brooklyn. I was surprised he was still on the board. Yeah, he fell. Yeah. I, I mean, I guess it's not entirely uh, shocking. And yeah. I'll just say I'm on the clock for Brooklyn at 20. Yeah, but he didn't go ahead about as wonderful as a, of a fit you could ever want. Um, yeah. Do there's no strength program I probably trust more than Milwaukee's. Um, they'll get him catching shoot shots. There is creation abound. They're going to play in transition. Uh, the defense won't matter as much because – their scheme and um, a whole bunch of length behind him. You just love to see it. 
Yeah, I mean, this is the the pick of the draft, I think, so far. You get him, you know, next to plenty of creation. Uh, I'm really jealous. I wanted him for Brooklyn at 20. I think that would have been kind of perfect. But um, I'm, I have a fine uh, backup option, and I'm going to take uh, Desmond Bain. Uh, I think Brooklyn kind of just needs some solid rotation players. Like, they, for the most part, are pretty set. They have, I think, like 13 guys under contract next year. They don't need... You know, I, I just think they, they need a guy who in the short term can play rotation minutes for them. And there's, I think, a chance that they get priced out of the Joe Harris market. So adding a guy who's just you know arguably the best shooter in the class, I think, makes a lot of sense. Uh, I think Bain can step in day one and, and you know play minutes for them. And uh, Jake is now on yes. the clock at 21 for Denver. Um, so when I was doing draft prep for this podcast, I had one pick, and it was one pick that I really, really want to make, and that was Desmond Bain to the Nuggets at 21, <laughs> so thank you. That was literally the one thing that was circled on my prep, need to get Bain. Um, so I was super close. Um, I really thought I was going to come away with him, but I'm kind of going to go similar route, but not really similar route. So the Nuggets are really interesting because they're kind of set at all these positions, right? Like you have Jokic, you have Plumlee, even though he's – going to be a free agent like you think they would try to keep him you have monte morris one of my favorite backup point guards in the entire league so and they have solid wings even though gary harris underperformed you have guys like will barton and toy craig so and you have obviously your star in Jokic. so there's a lot of ways i could go with this and i figured i'm going to take a little upside swing on one of my favorite guys tyrell terry um ah. there was i there were plenty of ways where i looked at kind of going a safer, bigger, more productive wing who could maybe shoot and step right in and maybe play in the playoffs, maybe not play in the playoffs and just give them that sure depth. But with Jamal Murray under that big, big contract, and we don't really know if he's going to live up to the number value there, a guy like Terry I think is a reasonable swing. You put him in a position where he doesn't have to come in right away. He can kind of be slowly walked along. The shooting, the body can develop. He can get a little bit quicker, maybe improve a handle. Um, but just he's not going to be a situation where he's going to be thrust into immediately. Even he can take more time to develop than the normal 21st pick um, because they have so many strengths. So a guy like Tyrell Terry to this spot is something I really, really liked. And eventually you want to look at the fit. He can play on and off the ball, which is good with Jamal Murray and Jokic. So I just think someone with Tyrell Terry's shooting ability and potential upside is a good play at this range and with this team. Yeah, and PD is on the clock with Philadelphia. I'll quickly say I like the Terry fit quite a bit in Denver, um, not just for the upside that that, that that Jake just talked about, but also because he's going to have he's gonna get to play off the ball the same way that, that Jamal Murray and, and Gary Harris and all of their guards do. And Tyrell Terry had a lot of awesome moments off the ball in Stanford's like motion wheel kind of offense. And playing off of an offensive hub like, like Jokic will just lead to, to easy shots and easy movement shots, with which Tyrell Terry was was undoubtedly lead at this year and should be like a really elite shooter in the NBA, especially in Denver's infrastructure where the, where the difficulty of shots he, he's going to get early in his career are, are just a lot easier. So yeah, that's, that's, a, that's a pick I like a lot. So I'm a big fan of that one. All right. Um. I was I was literally about to suggest that I would give you like fifty eight and twenty two for twenty one to get Terry for uh, <laughs> Philadelphia because it would be the easiest fit. Um, and as you picked him, I sent the message. Um, so at twenty two, uh, the uh, Philadelphia seventy sixers are going to take Josh Green. Uh, the logic behind it being that uh, he's going to catch and shoot. Uh, he shot 36% with some um, interesting jumper mechanics 
there's a lot of uh, cleanup to be done there, Not and him being a good shooter. Uh, him being a good shooter. Uh, even with some some flaws, he fits. You know, he's not going to need usage. He's going to sprint in transition. He is a, a great point of attack defender, uh, especially on like some smaller guards. He can really give them problems. Um, Philadelphia doesn't have a super clean pick after all the great shooters are gone. Um, so I went for a very good shooter who brings uh, you know low level usage and a lot of effort. Uh, and with that. Uh... Jackson is on the clock at 23 with Miami, but we have our first trade to announce. I, as Detroit, am trading Luke Kennard to Jackson for the 23rd pick and Miami's 2022 second round pick. That trade will be executed next league year by sending Kennard into Miami's cap space. Um, and with that pick, I am going to select uh, Teo Maladon to go along with Anthony Edwards in the backcourt. Um... Honestly, I just didn't want to be paying Kennard after next year. It seems like he has some sort of uh, knee issues that, that are fairly serious or at least lingering. Um, and I just don't think Detroit is in a place where they should be paying anyone really uh, due to the you know, aforementioned just lacking core. And Maladon, I think, is a really nice compliment to Edwards. Just a steady you know pick-and-roll operator, a guy who can really, really shoot uh, in a lot of different scenarios, uh, definitely a scary defensive backcourt and not in a good way right now, but I have relative confidence in Edwards' ability to take the harder guard assignment, whoever it's going to be on a given night. Uh, and I, I think Maldon can at least grow into a non-horrific defender. Um, I wouldn't say that I'm like wildly enthused about this, but I think just Getting out of, of you know being committed to Kennard is incentive enough to um, to do a deal like this, and I do think Maladon compliments uh, Edwards quite well. Uh, and with that, Sam is on the clock at twenty four for Utah. All right, I don't think this one is going to come as a huge surprise. I'm going to go with my guy uh, Devon Dotson at twenty four for Utah. I think to fit with Donovan getting two guys with pretty high level slashing gravity opens up a lot for them uh, to get kind of different, like creative with wings and get a lot of shooters out there. We'll help Bogdanovich and Ingles. And, I mean, I'm not sure what's happening with Conley, if he's going to have a bounce back year or not, but it's pretty good insurance in case Conley kind of isn't the same player as he was a couple years ago. And Jake is now on the clock at 25 with OKC. I have a few... I have a few uh think so i just want to explain my side of it for miami um i think the the concerns with current health i think are definitely valid um but miami is a team that has a pretty good track record of, of strength and conditioning so maybe with a better program than than detroit um, we can alleviate some issues there um and i think you know miami is a team that needs more shooting around jimmy butler to an extent especially with Dragic being a free agent this next summer i think Dragic is really nice off the bench for them this year um, so you can slide into a similar role. There's definitely some concern about the overlap with Tyler Hero, um, but um, I'm, I would think the fact that there were no uh, suitors for Kennard at the traded line speak to maybe some of the lack of huge market that he'll get as a restricted free agent after next season. So I'm not too worried that he'll command a huge deal. Um, so I like that, and I think that there was no one on the clock, excuse me, on the board for Miami that you know fits around a team that is trying to maximize its contention window or ceiling with Jimmy Butler as a guy who 
um, isn't necessarily on the decline, but isn't someone who has five, six more years of all-star level play. Um, so I think getting him for a 20, for a late first and a future second was a really good value considering um, what was left on the board at the time. Um, but yeah, I think Max's side was definitely valid as well. Um, my, my, my question, um, shifting to PD's pick of Josh Green, is how did you weigh that, you know, the Sixers aren't necessarily a team who have a great track record of development um, overall or have valued wings necessarily to this point who need some development. Um, Zaire Smith has been stuck in the G League. Obviously, his, he had kind of an extenuating circumstance um, with the health issues as a rookie. But I'm curious, how did you weigh that, you know, as someone like Josh Green, who should be a really good on-ball defender, um, in general defender early on, but to be a tenable offensive player is going to need some development to break some of those bad habits that he's developed over the last few years. I mean, it's tough. Um, the board sort of made my decision because I had Terry circled in, in uh, as about a big of a marker as I could. Um, so I guess the next bit is trying to figure out how naturally fixable some of this is going to be. It's not all going to be Sixers development staff. It'll be his own private staff. Um, it'll be Australian national team. I just think that so much of this is fixable with just basic biomechanics, loosening hips up, getting his ankles stronger, getting his feet stronger. Like, those things seem to me that any staff could do them. Like, not that the Sixers don't just make weird things spontaneously appear. Um, but I just think that there's so much low-lying fruit that any organization would be expected to do it. And since they are a team with a specific type of fit, um, getting a low usage guard and trying to get more of the specific fits later made a little bit more sense. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I think that's completely valid. I just, you know, I, I think, like you said, it's it's really kind of a product of how the board shake, shaked out, shook out. Jesus Christ. Um, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I, just, I think, yeah, you're kind of t- stuck in a tough spot there with not a lot of um, great window options for a team that has a lot of money tied up to win now players. But I think it's a fine pick overall. I was just offering some skepticism because I think it's, you know, it's not a perfect fit. Like, you know, maybe like Kyra Lewis or Terry or Bain would be an ideal world. Um, my pick is in for 25. So OKC is in a really interesting spot. Um, they're one of my favorite teams to watch this past year, but they have a lot of questions to answer. Obviously, they have that draft, like an incredible treasure chest of picks in the future, but Daniel Gallinari is a free agent, and whether they bring him back or kind of just let him go is going to decide when, whether they're still trying to contend or whether they're officially going to take this rebuild with Chris Paul as kind of the Jedi teacher um, passing everything down to SGA and all the young guys they acquire. So I kind of made a pick based on the two of those things combined um, with the fit. I went I went Killian Tilly with, from Gonzaga. Um, I'm echoing a little bit here. I don't know what happened, but I'll keep talking anyways. So with Tilly, you get <laughs> – this is really annoying, but okay, let's keep going. Um, with Tilly, you get someone who can space the floor, he can play inside, he can play outside, but of course you have the injury concern, so you can bring him along and you don't have the pressure of playing him 82 games because you have guys like Adams and Noel, so I think he, if Tilly, the health pans out and the skills translate, which I think they do, then he can be a good piece of the future, but if not... I think you can also contribute now, but it's more of a team-oriented decision. Like I said, there's a lot of different places they could, they could go with this, kind of all based on whether they re-sign Gallo and re-sign Steven Adams the following year. Um, Sam Presti and his camp have a lot of decisions to make, but I think getting a guy like Killian Tilly 
in the system and under their medical staff and they can pick the right plan for him to eventually make an impact for their organization who already has their guy in SGA. Um, I think that's a really intriguing pick. And I finally stopped that going. So if you if you're <laughs> I, listening and you made it through then more power to you. <laughs> yeah, the the technical difficulties associated with doing a six person call. Um yeah. I'm on the clock for Boston at twenty six and I'm gonna I'm gonna make the pick now. Uh it's something that we've talked about multiple times now on previous episodes and i'm gonna do it for oh, real I, oh, i'm I gonna you're going with i'm gonna double dip at big and i am gonna take oh. xavier tillman to go with james wiseman um so we if did, you haven't listened we did to, not the, plan to this. we did not <laughs> we did not we did not plan this if you haven't listened to previous episodes i think what well, unlike both times that pd has come on we've talked about this where getting wiseman as a, a guy in the late teens and then uh you know, pairing him with a guy who in, in Tillman who can play those high leverage minutes makes a lot of sense if if you don't have the political obligations to James Wiseman. Um, so right now the Celtics do have have Tice as as those um, you know to play the clutch minutes, but they're not always going to have Tice. He might become very expensive expensive after next year, um, and I think Tillman can be that guy long term. Like like I said on our I think our maybe most recent episode talking about. Uh, who who I wanted the Celtics to draft. I mentioned Tillman, especially because of the Celtics' track record getting big men to shoot. Um, I think it just makes a ton of sense, and I think that this pairing makes a lot of sense. It's definitely a little weird, uh, like in in you know today's NBA to be spending two first round picks on, on big men. But I mean, just long term. I mean, even short term. I think that's probably where the Celtics needs lie. I definitely considered you know going wing or, or going for a guard. But just, I, th- I think that locking up the big rotation now for hopefully the next decade is, is something worthwhile. Um, and now Jake is on the clock at 27 as the New York Knicks. Um, so there are a couple of different ways I want to go with this, depending upon how my first pick panned out. But since we did get the lead, our supposed lead guard of the future, um, I'm going to pass up on like my group of three or four likely backup point guards that I unconditionally love that you guys all know um and i'm gonna go with sadiq bay um jackson i know you'll like this one you're at least someone that'll (laughs) like it but i'm going with sadiq bay because i really trust the shooting i really trust the shooting and i think the passing is really intriguing because of it and that's kind of the pitch to bay i don't view him as this lottery type guy but however in a nick system that again they played through julius randall so anyone that is high iq and can space the floor and make decisions and draw the defense and again, you're relying on a guy like Killian Hayes to tilt that with his gravity as a pick-and-roll ball handler and hopefully as a shot creator off the bounce. So I like Sadiq Bey a lot. As, again, I mentioned, the Knicks are looking for NBA talent. And while Sadiq Bey might not be the highest upside, I do think he's a guy that's going to stick in the league because of his smarts, intangibles, and shooting. And that's at 27. I think it's a home run pick for the Knicks, and they can sure up a pretty, pretty poor wing rotation, or he can show, show up. Oh, yeah, I'd I like, like to I like add as um as Boston now Robert Williams is available if anyone's interested. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I like that pick, um, Jake. I have Dallas at thirty one, and he was a guy who I was almost surely going to take if he fell there. Um, but yeah, I think as someone who can you know work off the ball, I I, I really like what um, Sadiq does off the ball. I think he moves into space well. I think he's a pretty solid cutter. Um, I think he's a good. Uh, advantage passer you know when when someone rocks the defense and he attacks a close that he's good at you know kicking to a shooter or uh those dump off passes or over the top passes to big men so 
Um, I think that'll work really, really well, especially if you still have a, a lob threat like uh, Mitch Robin there um, to finish plays um, if, if Sadiq can attack closeouts. So, um, yeah, he was a guy who was hoping to fall a few more spots, but I think he's definitely a good fit there as someone who just needs to be playing off of a primary ball handlers. Um, I think the farther he the farther he falls on, on draft night, if at all, will help him because I don't think he's someone you want to run a lot of offense through, but he won't do that in New York. Um, and right, I forgot so to mention, Ben is on the clock. I am on the clock. Toronto. I am on the clock, but we have another trade to announce as Toronto has traded this this 28th pick to Philadelphia um, for pick 34 and pick 49. So just moving down the six spots in this draft and picking up another second is a win for me. So with that, PD is on the clock with, with Philadelphia. Um, with the 28th pick, Philadelphia sprints to the mic to select Malachi Flynn. Oh, why, PD? Why? Why? Because uh, the Philadelphia 76ers need someone who can shoot and get to the rim. Uh, Oh, I wasn't questioning you. I was saying I wanted him in the early second round. (laughs) But they they haven't picked that up yet, that you can have somebody who can do both. Um, (laughs) And he's 22 years old, so he can do that now. It's not a theoretical thing. Um, The Benjo window shrinks every single day um, until somebody is going to do something and it would be nice to get you know one more real run and Malachi can help add to that yeah, um, yeah if you could, like a lot if, yeah if, I mean Malachi I, when I did like a pseudo mock draft on my Twitter Malachi to Philly was one of my favorite fits um, if I was picking at 22 I would have gone Malachi but hey why not get the same guy for a couple million dollars less so I'm a huge, huge fan of this fit. Um, I think you can plug and play him alongside Simmons and all those guys. I think he can play in the playoffs right now. He's a gritty defender who's really, really smart off the ball and super crafty finisher who makes up for all his physical limitations. So even though I can't do my five-minute monologue on how good Malachi Flynn is because I I didn't pick him, um, I'm still going to chime in and give him his flowers. All right, and with that, uh, PD is back on the clock with the Los Angeles Lakers. Uh, the Los Angeles Lakers select Isaiah Joe. No. Oh, no. oh damn it! I've been oh. trying to tra- I've been trying to trade up for him for picks. I'm thinking about Isaiah Joe the entire draft. <laughs> You're always thinking uh, about Isaiah Joe. I wasn't. He wasn't gonna fall to me. I had I had PD and Max ahead of me before yeah. Dallas. It's, it wasn't meant to be. All right, PD, what's give you spiel? Uh, he is a plug and play player next to Braun in the highest order. Um, he's going to shoot the hell out of the ball. He's going to compete. Um, he doesn't necessarily need a ton of shots. He's pretty efficient when he's playing a reasonable-sized role. Um, but this is somebody who's going to contribute to this generation of Lakers success, um, and uh, you know he's going to earn a rotation spot extremely quickly, uh, replacing some of the other unnamed Lakers who may not deserve them but also are signed to clutch. <laughs> <laughs> the subtlety there is uh, is really strong. Um, and I I am now on the clock at thirty as Boston, but we have another trade to announce. I am trading thirty to Sam uh, and Minnesota in return for thirty three and Minnesota's twenty twenty two second round pick. So Sam right, is now so on I the clock as get, Minnesota at thirty. I finally get somebody who can play defense. I'm going to take Tyler Bay at 30. Oh, no. That he, he can play <laughs> My board is crumbling. 
so I was pretty excited about that. Finally get somebody you can defend on the Timberwolves. We'll take it. Yeah, that's a good fit. Um, I mean, you desperately need just, just anybody who can play defense <laughs> next to LaMelo and, and Aaron Neesmith and D'Angelo Russell and Carl Anthony Towns. <laughs> so yeah, I think that was very necessary and a, a pretty good value here, I think. Uh, and Jackson is on the clock uh, at 31 for Dallas. So that's it for part one of this Prep to Pro mock draft special. The first round on Wednesday, we're going to have the second round of the draft out um, for you guys to listen to. Uh, this has been a big project in the works for a couple weeks. Um, we're glad to see it come together, and we hope you all uh, really enjoyed it. Um, you can follow me on Twitter at Ben underscore Pfeiffer underscore. Follow Max at Max A. Carlin. Follow the pod at Prep Number Two Pro Pod. Uh, follow Jackson Frank at Jack Frank underscore JJF. Uh, PD at Above the Break Three. Jake Rosen at Jake in the Paint. Sam Mazzullo at Sam Maz 3 and that's all we got for you today. So have a nice day and see you later.